0: This podcast is brain powered by the University of Sydney. We are controlling
1: transmission. Sleek Geeks, Dr. Carl. And Adam Spencer. Well, hello and welcome back, science lovers, to another Sleek Geeks podcast. Myself and Dr. Carl Kruzelnitsky. When I say myself, I mean Adam Spencer. And Dr. Carl Kruzelnitsky, podcasting away. Carl, consciousness, isn't it just awesome? The fact that I'm even asking you that question means that we both have it.
0: Well or do we just think that we have consciousness uh,
1: We're just asking as a result of reflexes what is consciousness it's a a, a self awareness that's about
0: as close as i can get and then you turn around and you say well does
1: i know i think i know i exist but do, does a dog know it exists do dogs know they exist how far no disrespect to dogs but how far down the sort of brain size and chain do ants know they
0: exist Are they just part of a larger group that works entirely by reflexes? And if you put enough reflexes together, does that give the impression of knowing that you exist? Do
1: bacteria know they exist? Do plants have consciousness, Carl? That's what I ask you. Well,
0: we're beginning to think, Possibly they do. Now, you might might think, well, a plant, well, first of all, I can't see anything. No. Well, okay, well, suppose that you're totally blind and you can't tell day and night, and then we do an operation on you or something magical, and then you can tell whether the sun is shining or not, and you can tell when the sun is shining. When a cloud comes across the front of the sun, you might not be able to recognise newsprint, but you can definitely tell that a cloud has come across the front of the sun. You say, well, you've got a sort of vision. Well, plants... Have that kind of vision. Okay. They can recognize that. And then we think that they actually have a brain.
1: Wow. So, huh?
0: It's called the transition zone. So a plant. The has transition a, zone. So you imagine a plant, you get a seed, you plant it in the ground, and then from that seed travels out, pushes out a little area called, you know, the, the root cap, right at the very tip of the root. And that protects the Root as it goes through the soil, but also senses stuff like moisture and gravity and wait for it, light. <gasps> it was well, under the ground and, and nutrients. And then behind that is another area called the meristem, Meristem, M E R I S T M, where the cells are dividing rapidly. And then you come into the magical transition zone, which was originally thought just to be a fill in area, but now we think it is like the nerve centre, the brain of the plant, and you're saying, well, it's a brain? What, does it make brain hormones? You bet your sweet bibia it does. Serotonin, melatonin... No. ...are made in plants.
1: And so the way that when you're saying when, when the roots of a plant are growing underground, for example, if water's in different places or if there's different nutrients in the soil, the plant will adjust and grow... Accordingly, that's the ability to interpret its surrounds and to have its behaviour affected by those surrounds. That's getting towards an interaction with the rest of the world that qualifies as a sort of consciousness.
0: Yes, and then you think, but hang on, but does it know that it exists and that its mates exist. Well, okay, suppose you've got a bunch of trees in a field and a virus comes along and attracts and attacks some of the trees and it makes a chemical to fight the virus. The
1: tree does, yes. The tree does. does.
0: But the other trees at the other end of the field that have not yet been attacked, they will make that same chemical. Ah.
1: Who told them? communication of some sort.
0: As a that, saying? hi, fellow tree mates, there's some bad guys around. It's not Just great
1: over here, guys.
0: Thought I'd give you a heads up. Does that count as consciousness? Wow. So we're in a sort of a grey zone of thinking that they maybe do have some sort of awareness and common self-help to each
1: other. Mm. All, all you can hope is if plants do have any degree of consciousness that they're smart enough to download and subscribe to the Sleep Geeks podcast.
0: That's what I want. Smart trees are listening. Mm.
1: Yes, you're still on the Sleek Geek podcast with Adam Spencer and Dr. Carl Kruzelnitsky. Cow's milk, Carl. Talk to me.
0: Well, there's some people who think, yum, cow's milk Mm. is good. Put in a milkshake, even better. Add chocolate, even better again. And then on the other hand, people are saying it's totally unnatural and causes all sorts of diseases Mm. and gives you bad handwriting, sunstroke, syphilis, varicose veins, Mm. all those other things. And there's a case here of uh, a geoscientist who is a professor of geochemistry at Imperial College in London. Mm -hmm. So she's smart, uh, Jane Plant. And unfortunately, she got breast cancer Back in 1987, and went through various cycles of getting better, getting worse, getting better, getting worse, and so she decided at some stage that hey, they don't get much breast cancer in China, and they don't have dairy. Well, they're lactose intolerant, and so within so she decided to go without milk. And within six weeks of her new diet, the lump, the, the new breast cancer lump went away. And by the way, she kept on going with her chemotherapy treatment.
1: So with okay, so within six weeks of cutting out dairy and taking up chemotherapy, there was a marked improvement in his situation. Now, when they went, everyone listening, obviously, if you if you find a lump or think you might have cancer don't just stop drinking milk and say, I heard it on the Seek Geeks podcast, I should be fine. What's the, what, is the, what are the scientific community saying about the connection?
0: Well, she's saying that it was the going off milk that fixed it. And so then the cancer remained absent, went away for 18 years, and then she started drinking milk again. And then all she did was go back to her dairy-free diet. Oh, and by the way, started taking anti-cancer treatment and the cancer lumps went away. And so now it has come out from her that, hey, it was all the cure of her cancer, the making go away for cancer, was all due to avoiding dairy, and she's playing down the part of the chemotherapy. And then from that, we're having people saying, well, all you have to do is give up dairy and it'll cure every single cancer. So this is the old confirmation bias where you ignore the fact that you're taking the anti-cancer drugs. You just look at the fact that you're giving up the milk and you say, well, obviously it was the giving up milk that made the cancer go away based on a sample size Of one.
1: Of one person. One
0: person, which has then become an internet paradigm, a meme, and I'm getting emails, and so people are saying, but look, there's this professor who uh, has proven that giving up milk makes cancer go away, and so I chased it down and chased it down and finally found it and went back to this one person who, in a sample size of one, gave up milk and kept on going or even took up. Her anti- anti-cancer therapy, and so this is how these half truths arise on the
1: internet. So we're meme busting. We've 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 busted that little baby meme. If you hear the, if you hear the one that if you give up milk, that'll cure cancer. Don't don't buy that. Don't buy it. Thank you very much, Dr. Carl. What's up? Twitter time. Yeah, come on, Twitter. Dr. Carl, Aaron asks us on Twitter, is it possible to harness the energy from a lightning strike? Now, a couple of things we know about lightning. Uh, You told me once the vast bulk, it's possible to have thunder without lightning in the sense of visible lightning because lightning can be entirely contained within a cloud.
0: That's right. 90% of the lightning is um intra-cloud strikes. Only 5-10% is from the cloud to the ground.
1: Now, another thing we know recently with time um, super slow-mo photography, we've noticed that lightning doesn't just come from the cloud to the earth. Sometimes the lightning starts at the earth and goes up to the cloud.
0: Yeah, that's right. So usually it stutters slowly down from the cloud to the ground, and when I say slowly, I mean 150 kilometers a second. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, that's slow. Okay, keep going with this. And it stutters because it's trying to find a low resistance pathway. Mm. So as some people think that cosmic rays are helping it find the lowest resistance. And when it gets close to the ground, say 60 meters or so, you have what's called the return stroke, which goes back not at 150 kilometers a second, 150,000. Wow. You don't see that one. It goes so fast you don't see, you just get the impression of a flash. But the super fast cameras that we have now can see there's one blip here, another one, half a kilometre up another one, so we can actually see
1: the return stroke. How much energy is in a lightning strike and could we ever harness it?
0: Huge amount of energy. The trouble is how do you store all that energy out? At once, and have to be at the right place to catch it. Certainly, you know that lightning strikes will happen in certain geographical situations because the storm will be funneled by the winds between this cleft in the mountains, and it is struck. In the past, it will strike again, but the energy is too much. Now, in my case, you, as you might know, I have a hybrid car.
1: Mm, and so do I. Right? We are So cool. We're so
0: cool. And so I've, I've read. I, I, but I've read the book. I've read the instruction manual. Yeah, we're so different. Right. And in the instruction manual, it says, if you look at this little bar, as you hit the brakes, the bar goes across, and providing it never reaches the end, you're not actually using the brake part of the brakes. You're actually using the electric motor backwards as a generator, and you're storing energy in the brakes, in in, in the battery. So if you brake gently you can then never use the brakes. So on these hybrid cars, the brakes, instead of lasting 20,000 kilometres, last 100 or even more. But the point is, if you brake hard, you can't store all that energy. Mm -hmm. And if you ramp it up to a lightning bolt, there's so much energy that what you want to store is enough energy to run a town for a day. You want to store that in a millionth of a second. And we don't have the technology yet to store that huge amount of energy. But we're getting a lot better with our battery technology.
1: Carl, there's a Twitter question that's come in here from uh, someone who calls himself Captain Awesome.
0: They're they're so humble.
1: Captain Captain Uh, Humility. It's time for Humble Man. I'm the only man modest enough to save us from this situation. Singers can hit high notes and shatter glass. Is it possible to smash other materials with different resonance? Now, I recall on Sleek Geeks, Mm -hmm. the TV series first series, we actually got an Australian opera singer in. Mm -hmm. She was hitting notes and going up an octave and we kept pushing her and pushing her. She couldn't break glass with her voice, could she?
0: She didn't have the power and then what we did was work out how much power that she needed and there's no way that a human voice can do that to an unscratched glass. Oh. So we gave her proper wine glasses and so we we, we cheated a little bit. We actually, thank you Stephen Bosey for doing this, found the resonant frequency of the glass. So what we did was we had an oscilloscope, we had a signal generator, and then we had a big fat speaker and we aimed this at the glass and the glass was going circular, oval, Circular oval, and we could see it doing this on the you know, in it with the eye with the oscilloscope driving it. And then we got her to sing at exactly the same tone and looked at the glass, it wasn't doing it. And there is on YouTube a series of videos showing people do it. And one was done especially by the MythBuster guys. And there was some guy who was a singer from some heavy metal band. Mm -hmm. And when I played, I I thought, how could he do it? He he can't have more power than a trained singer whose whole life is doing this, although he was a trained singer himself. And I suddenly noticed that at one stage you can't see his hands and that his hands have got diamond rings on them. And I reckon with zero proof that when nobody was looking, he scratched the glass to weaken it so that the human voice would be great enough, would be powerful enough to break the glass.
1: So, yes, what effect does it, you're saying, scratched glass is weaker, gives out easier?
0: Yeah, it gives up sooner because the stress goes to the glass and where the scratch is, it will break sooner. I think that's what happened. Uh, but other than that, I've looked very carefully through the literature, never been able to find a case of where somebody can break it just with their voice on an unscratched glass.
1: There you go. To all the heavy metal fans out there, we are the Sleep Geeks. <laughs> Adam Spencer and Dr. Carl with you on the Sleek Geek podcast. You love air travel, don't you?
0: Um, my record was 142 flights in one year, and I had five medical emergencies to deal with, and four lived and one died.
1: Yes, you 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 you've described uh, the 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 route from Sydney to Melbourne is one of the most profitable. In the world of aviation, it's, it's in the top, it has been the, one of the top five busiest routes in
0: the whole world for the last 20 years. Sometimes it's number three, number two, number four. It's always in the top five massive money earner for the various air companies. And you, you've described it, it's
1: short, fat and wide or something like That's that? That's it. It's short. Oh, The distance so, is not that far. No.
0: And so they can get them on and get it off and they can just keep on charging enormous sums of money. By the way, just as a separate issue, I think that'd be a really good place to have a high speed train.
1: Yes, indeed. Indeed it would. But on the topic of saving money on flights if people did a little wee-wee. Yep.
0: Yeah, I finally found the figures on this one. I was just curious about this, standing between behind some people trying to get onto a plane, and one of them was saying, but why do I have to pay $25 for one extra kilogram of luggage when that person behind me weighs 20 kilograms more than me? Mm. And so I thought of, "Yeah, what effect does weight have? It turns out that fuel, the cost of fuel, is one of the main costs for airplanes. So if on a 737, and the figures are done for a Southwest, they're an American airline in Texas, if they're traveling from Boston to Denver, if they remembered to urinate 200 mils... If if,
1: if every passenger... If every passenger... Just before they hopped on the plane, went to the bathroom and urinated 200 mils...
0: The plane would be 200 grams by 130 people lighter, and Southwest Airlines would have spent $2.66 less on fuel.
1: If everyone getting on the plane went to the bathroom and had a medium-sized... Not fantastic, ah. but medium-sized. If everyone on the plane had a medium-sized urination before they hopped on, you'd save, in to- not per person, but in total, you'd for save... For that flight?
0: $2.66. $2.66. So it makes you think they're making a bit of a profit when they charge you $70 a kilo for luggage. Ooh. We are controlling we don't understand what's going on here.
1: Sleek gigs.